0: Hello and welcome to the Alpha Mind podcast. I am Mark Randall. And I am Stephen Goldstein. Alpha Mind is a series of regular podcasts that will focus on performance, mindset, behavior and emotional intelligence for traders, investment professionals and market participants. We will be sharing advice,
1: knowledge, insights and effective tools which will allow you to thrive in challenging market environments.
0: Welcome to Alpha Mind, and the first in a series of regular podcasts from Steve Goldstein and Mark Randall, where we're going to explore just the meaning of Alpha Mind and how it applies to the marketplace, and how the tools and behaviours that we're going to share within these podcasts will help you to develop a optimal mindset for the markets. First thing, Mark. Well, I think the um, yeah we've got it together because. You know, we've got 70 years of market experience between us, Um, but we're also running essentially programs at the moment that look to optimize people in whatever they're doing. And particularly given our trading background, sales background of frontline markets, um, we're starting to understand that the market's got a problem. We understand that a market's got a problem, that it's volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous in that VUCA term. But it's difficult out there, very, very difficult to make money, and so one needs to have the most optimal presence that one can have to interact with the market, but also manage yourself as well. It's all about managing yourself, and we don't think that's being done. So we bring to the market a toolkit.
1: Yeah, I think I think you made a great point there when when you when you talk about optimal presence, and I, I'm recently thinking of a couple of. Uh, couple of workshops I've given to some clients, where the reason was asked, why do we need this now? Why is it that today in 2019, we are starting to explore this, whereas in the past we haven't? And and my view was that it has got much tougher. There used to be a lot more fat in the system that traders could take, whether they were in banks, whether they were in buy side roles in hedge funds or whether they were in they were retail traders and i think as a result of what's happened in the last few years from lots of different angles trying to trying to get that fat from the market it's, it's a lot less and i think a lot more skill is needed to differentiate um successful trading than it was in the past
0: yeah i mean what well- I see the market needing is is just an agile mindset. So agility is is super important, a vision, an understanding, a better understanding of what's going on. Also a, a consideration for yourself in relationship to your team, relationship to your company, the collective mental capital of what's driving you toward the market, I sense isn't as good as it could be. Yeah, and it could be a really low level of what it what it could be. Yeah, um, and I think that uh, you know, g- given our understanding and what we what, what can be achieved in, in the sports field and the traders that we've collectively interacted with, um, we know that if we can bring ourselves together and face the market, we can have some very interesting conversations.
1: Okay, so so there's there's a couple of things which <laughs> have stood out for me then. Uh, one one is that I'm thinking about the audience we're talking to right now. Some of those people might be, or many of them are likely to be, private retail traders. Mm-hmm. Some are likely to be individuals working in buy-side type roles for either hedge funds or within private trading firms or within investment or as, asset management type roles. And then you're going to have people from sell-side type roles. So people involved in... Banks, people involved in energy trading firms, yeah. commodity trading businesses. In, in, in a sense, if you're listening to this, you know we're we're trying to cover the whole spectrum here. It's just occurred to me that you know this audience is probably wondering who are, who are we. Ah, so maybe, maybe maybe Mark, you want to just give yourself a quick introduction to tell them who you are.
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Thirty-seven years in uh, in, in markets, uh, day one trader life. Ran the desk under. Uh, Greenwich NatWest Futures, um, ran sales for RBS Futures um, Yeah, and covered uh, a huge variety of clients but also networked well into the market so I understood what, what other things were going on in the market as well yeah. and um, I transformed myself into uh, someone that took a skill that I had and to some extent didn't really know I had um, but it was something that I kept with me For that, for those 37 years, that helped me manage me, me manage the lumps and bumps of uh, being in markets and the stresses and strains of that, and being optimal. And uh, I thought it was my own own sort of secret weapon until I started to understand where the world was moving in the mindfulness space. But I don't want to call it mindfulness because I'm not pushing sort of stuff that's uh, the pure end. This is military grade mind fitness in terms of the orientation. And um, I saw an opportunity to take it, take it, repackage it, and to face the market with a toolkit, right, for the market to benefit from.
1: So, 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 really, what you're doing now is, um, and I know mindfulness is an overused word, but you're you're helping people create the optimum mindset in high performance fields. So we we know that the U.S. military does a lot of work mm-hmm. in getting its special forces people yeah. into optimum mindset. Yeah. And as I understand it, you've taken that and you're working with people in other high-performance elite fields. Correct. Such as trading, investment, sales, leadership, um, and high-end leadership at board level. Sure. So, okay. Okay. So, hopefully that gives um, people listening a flavour of of who you are. And I'll just introduce myself. So, um, I've also had, I suppose, 30... 35 years in the markets. Over 20 of those years, I worked as a trader, uh, starting at a a Japanese bank in London in 1987 and then working through for a Swiss bank, Credit Suisse, in the early 90s, uh, Commerzbank, which was a German bank, uh, still is a German bank, and and then American Express Bank up till 2009. I was involved in many roles. I was involved both as sales side, as a market maker. And I was involved as a propriety trader, working on propriety trading desks and uh, running propriety risk. So that, that that was, I suppose you could say, 23, 23 years as a trader. And then I left that behind, but stayed in the field when I started developing myself as a coach, uh, working with individuals in trading and investment roles. And I, I, I started doing that in 2009. And I still still do that today. So it's how can I help people to opt- optimise their trading and investment performance in a similar way to how you do, although i probably go a little bit more personal for each individual sort of inside, trying to understand what is driving and motivating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. them and then helping them more on an individual level improve how they perform and how they work. But together it's, a, you know, if anyone's listening, the reason we've come together on this is we realise how much, how much of the same space we occupy.
0: Yeah, I'd see it like this. So, I sort of see myself covering left-hand side of brain. I see Steve covering right-hand side of brain. Collectively, we cover the mind. Let's say yes uh, from from a holistic point of view, and fine tuning that, and um, really. Optimizing it into a state where it actually starts to work for you, not against you. One of the biggest challenges of the market is actually your biggest problem is probably your mind.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I, I I talk about this with people where I I say to them often the biggest challenge is not beating the markets; it's beating yourself mm-hmm. or overcoming yourself. Yeah, and, and that's that's where we go into what we call the inner game of trading. You know, how can you bring the best of yourself? And and I think that's that's the core of what we're trying to do here with these these podcasts. It, it is how can people in trading and investment roles mm-hmm. become better? Correct. by focusing on these aspects.
0: Yeah, there's I guess also with that is the realization to make people realize that they are their sort of uh, presence, their drive is not just them. It's their family life. It's what's going on at home. It's how they rest. It's how they hydrate. But it's also how the ops guys support you. How the quants supporting you. Your interaction with leadership. Yeah. You know the IT team that's building code for your for your uh, black boxes. It's yes. you know making them understand better what your needs are. So there's a bit about communication in this. There's a bit about interaction with others. There's, there's self management. There's team management. There's leadership interaction. If you're client-facing, it's you know it's better listening skills for understanding what the client's wanting. Often we play the uh, play back a story to the client before they finish the conversation, thinking we know their problem, rather than just stepping back and giving them space to talk. Yeah. And listen. So these the, the skills are very varied, and they cover a very wide portfolio. But collectively, they just increase that the drive behind the trader.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you know, I I would say, you know, when I work with people, I, I probably work a bit more individually, and I get them to look at, you know, what are the factors pulling the strings subtly behind the scenes that's affecting their decision making. <clears throat> so that, that there is a focus, you know, there there, there is a big, uh, it, it's become a big, a theme in markets in the past few years. It, you know, is how can you optimize decision making. How can you make better decisions? What are some of the, the practices you can do? And, and there's there's some external things you do. But ultimately, there's the, there's the internal aspect as well. You know, being the best of yourself, bringing the best of yourself to your work, bringing your authentic self and understanding your authentic mm-hmm. self, you know, and understanding, you know, what part of yourself is dragging you away from that. And I think that's when we get into ego aspects, and when when emotions, you know, when we're, we're working with risk and uncertainty, you know, traders, you know, they're working with such incredible volatility out there and they're working in such complex environments where in real time it's impossible to know, you know, what is the correct value or, or, or you know, whether this is a, is a good buy or a, a good sale, whether we should be taking profit here, whether we should be entering a trade even, Um we, we can't possibly know in real time what the right thing to do is. But I, th- I think if you start to bring the best of yourself towards that, you start to make better decisions. You start to act better. So so I, I would say where I go into this is, you know, how do you develop that inner game? And then how do you bring the best of yourself?
0: Yeah, from, from my point of view, I guess it starts with the question, what is the market to you? you know for, for a lot of people the market's the left and right hand side of the of the quote and what's around it in terms of depth yeah that's their market yeah actually we need to broaden that awareness if we're to, if you're to understand the market you need a very very broad awareness of what's going on and that means your attention needs to be not so much spotlighted but in a much more engaging way uh and watching out and looking at signs looking for signals perhaps where others aren't looking at signals having a creative innovative innovative approach to, um, you know, really heightening your market awareness in as broad a sense as possible. And it's a very big question. You ask many people what, what their market is, and you come away thinking, well, I guess looking at the bundle, I guess looking at, you know, cable or something. Um, but actually, if you're going to interrogate the market, you have to start off with that question of, what am I relating to here? Am I just relating to eight screens in front of me? Yeah. And then, and then ask the question, well, what are those eight screens relating to when they look at me? Are they just looking at someone that's just looking at a bid and offer, or do they look at someone that's really aware of the emotion and this this murmuration, as a word I like to use, of what a market is? It's shifting and flowing with some intelligence, and you've got to be on the inside of it to understand a bit, but also you need a perspective of being on the outside to see, in a macro sense, where it's moving. In there somewhere is your trading decision. So, so I mean that that's fascinating, and I, I love that.
1: There's a couple of things that stand out for me from what you said there. Um, one it is the thought that we are both within the market ourselves. <laughs> we are also of the market, but also we're trying to understand the market and how difficult that can be when we're both inside it mm-hmm. and of it. And you know, if you can stand outside it and look at it and somehow make yourself objective, you will get a better understanding of it. And I, I, the other point I wanted to just come back to there was this idea of murmuration. Do, do you want to explain that? Because we've spoken about that before. Yeah. And it's a fascinating.
0: Someone asked me once as to how I describe a market, and it wasn't a bid and offer and the size around it. It was. Mur, murmuration is a natural event where a flock of starlings, I guess, flock, and you, you can YouTube it and you'll see what I mean. And you sense there's a togetherness and an intuition that they're following to create these shapes but it's together. And every now and then that shape gets deeper. It gets thinned out, but the shape is still there. That collectiveness is still there. And I think the understanding a market is understanding that it's to that level of depth. It has that amount of variety. There's interconnectivity across the product range, but there's interconnectivity across the participants as well. And knowing where you are in that, if the only position you've got in terms of your link to the market is that you're on the outside, just trying to watch it and understand it, then you're not going to be optimal in making those trading decisions. You've got to have both perspectives, and to get in it, you've got to have better intuition, better broad market awareness to be part of the market. So, be part of the market is <laughs> fundamental. Many, many, I've you know, nearly forty years of uh, experience in. Traders, um, an awful lot of them think they're, you know, on top of it, but uh, an awful lot of them could be a lot, lot closer. And it's not until you've got that perspective of the, the inner and the outer perspective that you're going to really understand. One of the greatest traders I ever knew had both of those perspectives.
1: That that is incredible that you have said that because, you know, I've I've worked with some brilliant traders, and I've coached some brilliant traders. And I recognise that, and I've almost, and I can think of a couple of individuals, in particular, who, who, who I call, you know, absolute exceptions, you know, in that they seem to have this ability, to both be inside the market, and yet almost have this external perspective, as if they're outside it, watching it, and that gives them such an advantage. And they are constantly working at that. They are constantly, all the time, trying to improve that aspect. It, it, it's it, it's almost pure genius when I see it. And it doesn't surprise
0: me that they, they produce such outstanding results. And not only that, they tend to be calmer. Yes. They tend to be less egocentric. Yeah. And I think they tend to have a better... General attitude to their link with their team, yeah, because they see it as supporting them, right. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, something that we can explore later in further podcasts. But I think it's uh, very constructive. Yeah. this podcast is sponsored by Alpha Mind. Alpha Mind is a collaboration between Stephen Goldstein of Alpha R Cubed and Mark Randall of Mark Randall Consultancy who between them have over 70 years of financial market experience. Alpha Mind offer a suite of services to help develop trader and investor mindset, delivering workshops and bespoke development programs for financial market professionals.
1: To know more about AlphaMind, please visit our website at alpha-mind.net. There you will find out some more information about services we offer and our contact details. Now back to the podcast. So, again, just to repeat, because this is the first podcast in this series, um, what we're talking about and what we're trying to do with this series is really explore these aspects, the, the intangible aspects, uh, the hidden aspects that help people to to be better traders, to be better investors, to be more optimal in what they do. You know, if they're involved in, in a leadership role in an organization. How they can inspire their people to be better uh, and I guess here I'm talking about you know maybe some of the research teams uh, in in uh, in financial market firms maybe some of the sales teams that we're talking about on the sales side businesses so we're covering try to quite a broad scope here but again I want to come back to the idea of sort of zooming in more on the risk taker the risk the person taking the risk the person managing risk and focus again. Bring in this subject of the inner game. And I'm going to compare this to the outer game. So what I call the outer game is the tangible and and more visible aspects of trading. Um, So if you walk into a trading room, you will see people looking at screens, analysing markets, following the news. Perhaps they're they're, they're analysing data. Um, You'll see their execution. You'll see their... um, You'll see them... Focusing very much on the roles, this is the outer game. This is what you see and if you can ask if you ask somebody what they do as a <clears throat> trader or an investor, they can tell you the inner game is what you can't see. this is the really tough aspect, the intangible aspects, and this is what is really driving successful performance it's driving better analysis, it's driving better risk and money management, it's driving better decision making it's driving better execution. So, so this is this is very much again what we're focusing on, and, and again, you know, I'd like to ask, you know, how do you, in your opinion, become more profitable by improving your inner game
0: Okay, so there was a study by Killingsworth that concluded that Ken? That Ken? Killingsworth, 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 and the conclusion was is that during our waking hours, we're only sort of fifty-three percent present. Right. So we're 47% in our thoughts. Okay. Um, and this is very, very true for, for trading rooms. Um, and the way to become more present is literally by tuning into your senses. Literally by tuning in. And the more you tune into your senses, the more you're here. Um, and the more you're here now, the more you're looking at things in, in real life, in real time. Um But distractions take you away into your thoughts. So it's managing your distractions become quite critical. And that may be a case of just how you answer emails, whether you answer them emotionally as soon as they turn up or whether you just don't even look at them because actually most of them are not affecting your trading day because if it's important in a trading room, someone's phoning you. Um, So it's understanding presence is powerful. Yeah, Getting presence... Understanding when you're drifting away into your thoughts and bringing yourself back to being present is a way of creating an optimised mindset. Now, you're not going to achieve 100%. I, 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 I'm
1: going to stop you there because I've, I'd like to talk about an example because it, it, sometimes you can use examples that people can appreciate. One of the great examples of that is sport. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we see that, we watch it. It's very highly high-profile. Now, I don't know if you're a football... Are you a football fan? Can be. Or are you a rugby fan?
0: <laughs> uh, a little bit of everything, really, is my game, but I'm a tennis, tennis and a golfer. Tennis and golfer, but, OK. But um, if, if I struggle to support a football team, it's probably Barcelona because my wife's Spanish. So. Oh, right. But <laughs> well,
1: that, that, that actually is very, uh, very prescient. So, well, by the way, if, um, if anyone is listening on the other side of the Atlantic, when we say football, uh, we mean soccer. In, yeah. in your okay. case, but it, it, I was actually, I mean that's a fascinating thing that I, you know, I wanted to bring up the Liverpool-Barcelona game yeah. which happened this week and you know, we're recording this on the 9th of May uh, two days after the most amazing um, match between Liverpool and Barcelona, which was a semi-final, did you did you mm. watch it? I watched some of it, yeah. You watched some of it and it, 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 was, it was an incredible match in that it was part of a two-leg, uh, two-legged. So, so there's two ties to this match, and it's whoever wins over the two ties, goes on to play in the final of the, uh, the European Champions League. And Liverpool lost the first leg in Barcelona, three 0 which means they had a huge meant they had a huge task to take over to come back against what many people believe is the best football team in the world. And they certainly have the best footballer in the world. And they had to to win 4-0 to beat them and get through to the final. Now, as most people who are listening know, they did that. It was an incredible result. And they got an early goal at the beginning of the first half. And then they got two more goals at the start of the second half. And you could see the mindset shift in the players, collectively. Suddenly, the Barcelona players, it looked like they were walking in mud. You know, that their composure went, their cohesiveness went. And the Liverpool players, you know, you could see their mindset. It was like they had twice as much energy as anyone else. And then we got to the crucial part of the game with just over 10 minutes to go. Liverpool had a corner. And it was the most incredible bit of opportunities opportunism and innovation And one of the, the the Barcelona team were organising their defence but they were doing it so slowly it was almost like they fell asleep because their mindset was negative mm-hmm. it, it was you know mm-hmm. they, they were uh, it was like they were scared and they were defensive and they, they didn't know what to hit them and all their energy had gone and, and Liverpool had this completely different mindset, almost an optimal mindset, you know they were switched on and, and you saw this This 20 year old player um, Trent Alexander-Arnold just do this most incredible thing from the corner spot where he very quickly took the corner whilst the Barcelona players were trying to organise themselves and it went, the, the Liverpool striker who he passed it to Origi was also switched on at that moment and almost had an empty goal to put the ball into. And that, <laughs> that 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 was, for me, the perfect example of how mindset in a performance activity plays out in sport. And we see this in sport all the time.
0: Yeah, we see Tiger Woods. You look at Tiger Woods in the Masters walking around oh. last year. He looked a bit mopey, looked negative, yep. um, didn't perform. You yep. look at his mood this year, Yeah, smiling, yep. interacting with the crowd. Yeah. Didn't do that for the last five or six years. Yeah. And what won it. You know, golf, and, and I coach golf as well from a, a mindfulness point of view. And we've seen like 20% reduction in handicap through oh, yeah. the um, change of mindset that present momentness yeah. can achieve. Because essentially it shifts you being from a slightly negative mindset to a slightly positive one. And although all that's slight, that's a different part of the, the middle line, right? Yeah. Slightly positive is much, much more powerful than slightly negative. What you saw on Liverpool team was a switch from into the positive at a time when Barcelona were drifting into the negative. Yeah. Now, if you're positive, you tend to be happy and there's an energy about that. Yeah. Yeah. It also means you tend to be healthy yeah. in, a, in a very broad sense. So that's a fitness boost. Yeah. So positivity gives you a fitness boost. Yes. Re- real time.
1: Oh, yeah. They're... Yeah.
0: If you're in the dumps down, you're breathing's different. If you're positive, you tend to breathe in. If you're negative, you tend to breathe out. Yeah. Your body position is very different. You can imagine what a negative person looks like. Yeah. Oh, in your God, mind yes. now. Yeah. yeah. You, you well, could... Are their eyes bright? Are they looking out? Are they aware? No, not at all. They're thinking inside.
1: Well, when, when you were a broker, and I know we've discussed this before, but you could almost tell by people's voices. Correct. You yeah. said to me, Tone. who was going to make money? Who was making money? Yeah. Yeah. And who wasn't going to make money? Absolutely. I mean, that that, that was a phenomenal. You know, for for you know, a, for someone who faced the market as a broker, mm. you know, that that was incredible. Other brokers have told me that over the years.
0: Yeah, and it's it, perhaps more than that because from a sales point of view, um, you st- if you can start to pick up the little quirks of how somebody speaks. For example, the Danish have a slightly in-breath every now and then. (laughs) But sort of play that back to them as part of the way you speak English. So those little cheeky sort of uh, twists and turns of how somebody is speaking to you played back to them, but in your own language, builds that connectivity, that link. So these things are, again, about being present, about observing. You know, if Liverpool are positive... Mm-hmm. they're not listening to their thoughts and getting dragged way over the place by what might be what you know what should have been and what not if you're in the present moment and uh, and positive about things you 're just aware well, they, so they, that's situational awareness you were the team, so you see things better
1: well it's it's really interesting you say that and it's really interesting that you say your one of your sports is tennis and the other one is golf when when i when I decided to become a coach. Back in two thousand and nine, uh, my mentor um, and the person who influenced me to move in this direction, the first thing he did was throw a book at me called *The Inner Game of Tennis*.
0: It's a great book, yeah.
1: A great book. It's, it's by a guy called Timothy Galway, who's still around these days. Um, and it, it was almost like the the first move or the genesis of the, the entire coaching movement. You know, from professional sports coaching to you know, professional executive coaching and then to specialist coaching. And he threw this book at me, The Inner Game of Tennis. And I just, I devoured it. And a lot of it talks about removing the noise, the noise that is distracting. Yeah. Now, I, I, I wouldn't say myself that I was a great tennis player, but I do love tennis. And I used to play as a very, you know, as a a very mediocre average I'm putting myself down here quite a lot. You know, I used to play with friends at the park. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, there was there was a standard I was at where I would play a few guys and they would always beat me or we would always have a certain, you know, e- equalness where one week I would beat him, the next week he would beat me. And then I read this book and I played, an, I played a couple of guys the following weeks and I, I, I took some of the lessons from this book into my mindset, and I just blew them apart, mm. and they were shocked. And they said to me, "Steve, what is going on? What are you doing? That's different." And and then I read the next book, which was the inner game of golf. Um, I'm not a golfer. I'm going to be honest, um, but I spoke with a friend who was a golfer, and I told him some of the things that I'd understood from that book, and he was telling me that you know he plays a four ball with these guys, and uh, he's always coming lost. He loves playing, but he's always coming last. So I gave him a few tips from this book, and he called me up, and he said, Steve, you're not going to believe it. I didn't come last. But it's not that. I didn't even come second last. I won. It's incredible. It was all in the mind.
0: Yeah, it's it's playing for you, it's invaluable. Yeah. Playing against you, it's a disaster. Absol- oh, God, uh, yeah. You know, so... Um... Yeah, from a trader perspective, yeah, why wouldn't you want to make sure it's playing the game with you, joining in and supporting you and uh, doing all it can to understand with very, very broad awareness the opportunity that's in front of you.
1: Now a word from our sponsor.
0: This podcast is sponsored by AlphaMind. AlphaMind is a collaboration between Stephen Goldstein of Alpha R-Cubed and Mark Randall of Mark Randall Consultancy who between them have over 70 years of financial market experience. Alpha Mind offer a suite of services to help develop trader and investor mindset, delivering workshops and bespoke development programs for financial market professionals.
1: To know more about AlphaMind, please visit our website at alpha-mind.net. There you will find out some more information about services we offer and our contact details. Now back to the podcast well I, I go back to my to the times when I was a trader and um it, you know in my last my last few years were um they, they were my best years by far and uh, maybe i, I I'll tell my story on a future podcast um about my experiences as a trader and um th- there was a period though you know I used to beat myself up a lot you know a lot of traders do this you know we, we engage in we have a bad outcome we then engage in self doubt and then we start, you know, we start putting ourselves down a bit. And then the mindset goes and we're not seeing the market clearly. You're not, you know, you and every time you look at it, you think it's going to go wrong. Yeah, so, so you hold back. Yeah. Right. So I remember those periods. And I remember one time when my colleague, uh, who was also my boss, boss, Ashley, he said to me, Steve, why are you beating yourself up again? What is going on? You do this every now and then. And, you know, it, it can't be healthy, you know. And he said to me, he said, you know, I remember these words always standing out. He said, you're like an alchemist. You have no flow, no clients, and yet you make money. And yet here you are behaving as if that's not the case. And I, I was in a bit of a hole at the time, admittedly. And I remember from that very moment, I started making money again. Because, it, you know, I went home and I thought about that. And it, it was almost like it... I got closure on the piece of on, on that little episode that I'd been in, and I came in with fresh eyes mm. and suddenly, the same market which had been uh, that I was seeing negatively, I was now seeing positively I was now seeing opportunities, and that, that, that's why I, I go back to that, that Liverpool example earlier. Mm. Mm. This individual saw an opportunity yeah. that no one else was seeing because he had the right mindset yeah. and, and took the most brilliant corner. And it changed the game and, you know, probably changed the course of history for Liverpool Football Club. And that, now that's, that's a big story, but I see the same for myself as a trader. And it is about in a game. It's not about the technical aspect.
0: No, no. And for those listening, I mean, this can be taught. That's why we're here. Yes. Yeah. Right. We yeah. We know how to teach this stuff. Yeah. And we, with that amount of sort of, Knowledge backing us up, um, you know. Why wouldn't you want to listen? It's it's very very powerful. Yeah, you know, it's changed our processes, our lives, and whatnot. Uh, And there's you look across society, and there are lots of examples of this that pop up. There's the Djokovic's of the world. There's Williams F one team. All these people getting involved in what? What is it to be present? Yeah, present equals power. Yeah, that ability to reset yourself on any, any negative that pops up and to play to win whatever's happened. Yeah. Um, real strength in mindset. And a trader may need to reset himself several times a day.
1: Now, you know what? That's really interesting, because now we're getting on to the art, the art of trading. Mm. So what most people focus on is the science of trading. Yeah. You know, it's the analysis, the systems, the methods, the tools. And And this is where, you know, I say, if everyone else has that science and is about is is about equal how do you differentiate yourself you know how do you rise above that field and this is where the performance aspects come in mm. the mental aspects mm. come in as as you know it was Warren Buffett you know who said that you know that it, it's it's not a game where the guy with an IQ of 160 beats the guy with the IQ of 130 it's not rocket science, is what he said. And he's really referring to emotional intelligence here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember the early days of when I was on life, very early days, um, one had to sort of make your own mark because it was a bit of a... It was a, a colosseum of uh, of gladiators that were fighting to, to create, you know, the, the market as it was and with all the flow from wherever it came from. But uh, you kind of had to... Um, Build your own reputation there on the exchange, and I did that. I wasn't a mathematician by any means, but I was an artist to, to some extent, and so I got involved in technical analysis, having learned it from Chicago traders that came over, okay. and built a very big reputation. Yeah, for just being, you know, aware of the market, had an opinion of the market, and I was looking at things that other people weren't looking at because I had that creativity to yeah. explore the edges. Yeah. And opportunity sits at the edges. Oh, absolutely. Follow the flow, follow the norm. Yeah. You just get stuck in, uh, you can get stuck in, in the mud and not see the opportunity. Start to be creative and walk towards the complex, which is what present moment uh, ness allows you to do is with it, confidence. It's incredible when, Different when you are opportunities. That opportunity exists
1: at the edge. Yeah. Because if everyone else is doing the same thing, it becomes incredibly hard to, to be yeah. better. And
0: it's where the algo noise is, it's where all yeah. the stop noise is, you know, it can be a real challenge just, just to manage the the vibration around flow. Yeah. Those distortions that, you know, sort of get in the way of you understanding where the direction's going. Yeah. I think we should just point
1: something out here for some of our we uh, we're, we're two old gits, right? You know, we're in our fifties yeah. and sixties. 60s, well, 60s. Every... <laughs> you're older <laughs> than I thought. <laughs> 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 well, mid-50s. But well, you use the word life. The reason I'm trying to make this point is there's probably a lot of people listening that are going, what? What is life? It, it's it, it's the exchange. It's the floor. Yes, it's I'm sorry, London, yeah. London International Financial Futures Exchange yeah. that started in the 1980s. 82, yeah. 82. So just, just to explain, you were one of the very first people, yes. one of the first people. The first, yeah. Yeah, working on that floor. And that exchange... Um, was an incredibly vibrant place. It was an open outcry exchange. It was before the days of elec- electronic trading. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to make a point that a lot of these people now, will not who are listening, may not really understand quite what that is. What was it like being on that floor on the first day?
0: It was pretty damn scary, really, because none of us had a. Some some people that came from commodity world had a clue about it. Yeah. And of course, there wasn't there wasn't a YouTube thing to go and watch watch <laughs> it. Trading Places hadn't come out by then. Wall Street wasn't released by then. So you had this sort of you had these books and yeah. uh, to read about forward forward pricing of euro dollars and things like that. And I was just reading this, stuff thinking, this is all maths. Yes. And what do we do? Do we stand round on keyboards and punch numbers in? Because what does open out cry mean? And uh, I mean, about nine months pre go live of life, we were all in a building in in Cheapside in London, and uh, we were given these sort of stickers to stick on us, which, you know, short name, MDR or whatever for me. Yeah. And uh, then given a bunch of tickets that were orders. Right. And then this pricing programme ran, and these prices appeared on screen, and you, whenever it got to your price where you had an order, you had an instruction to, you know, to, to sell that. You know, right certain amount at a price or, at this or, or point, a bit of at this price point, for an amount
1: at this point it would be good if this podcast was visual because <laughs> you've just started
0: doing some hand signals yeah
1: can do all of those <laughs> that probably comes un, un, unconsciously to you it does as you're talking about when it.
0: when i'm ordering beer in a pub <laughs> i'm three foot three maybe three people away from the bar and i can still get ordered before the bloke at the front because i'm just going and that yeah. is a skill <laughs> that is a skill to have <laughs> um uh, and we didn't, still didn't have a clue, and then, then it all gets kicked off, and the guys from the commodity market just went, bang, you know, yeah, top with their voices, body in in motion with hands and everything, and we just looked at each other and thought, we got to do that all day, <laughs> uh, and that's what we did. That's what we did. We were in this exchange in this beautiful building that had been at this little box in the middle that was the life exchange original life exchange yeah 340 of us just taking flow and um there were the order takers there were the hand signal guys around the pit pushing prices and size out to the brokers that went out to the clients and of course you had the london market you had the chicago markets uh you had the, the the deutsche bors market came at some point with the bund and, and it all became a point of understanding flow. But the most important thing for me was, I guess, was building my own skill set that didn't have a name to it, but it really was about present moment awareness right. that helped me deal with the fact that it was a nightmare. It was the Wild West, Yeah, dealing with that Wild West. And you needed some inner strength yes. to get through it. But you also needed inner clarity yes. to convey you know, the market to clients or to mm-hmm. understand the market as you were there. Because you also needed to have a bit of a self management process.
1: Which, which, and build your own presence
0: yeah. on the floor. Yeah. You couldn't be a shrinking violet. You get had to fit in with this lot. So okay. you think, okay, what am I known for? Let's do technical analysis. I like it.
1: Yeah. Okay, so you you have raised a really important point there, which um which is and again I'm just gonna sort of remind people this is our first podcast and you know, we're gonna hope hopefully build a series of these over the months that allow us to build upon these subjects, um one of the things that listeners are going to want to know is how do I become sharper you know how do I develop this inner self? you raised a really good point there, which gets very little coverage in the in in the in the financial literature um, about self management mm. I mean for me again, when we spoke earlier on about these traders who who had the ability to see from the inside out and the outside in and it gave them a huge advantage you know that doesn't just happen those traders i you know i've got to work with those traders and coach them and explore their processes and and they've worked at that you know they make it look seamless you know like it's natural to them when you see them working but the, the beauty of my conversations that go very deep is they they reveal to me how they develop those how they they worked those, uh, and e- each one did it slightly different. But there is that, in a sense, there's that focus on self, mm. which other people don't do. And, and you know, I think some of them had the benefit of mentored, of being mentored. Um, but for many, they had to really, really work that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic. If you ask most people when does their trading day start, they'll say, "Oh, I don't know, half past five, When I get up in the morning, actually, your trading day starts at about seven o'clock the previous evening because winding down and getting appropriate rest is significant from a, from a mental perspective, you're going to sharpen the mind. You will get some fundamental stuff, right? You will get the right rest, the right hydration. Yeah. Uh, critical, critical. Don't get enough rest. Don't get enough sleep. Yeah. Um, you don't hydrate yourself throughout a day. Don't take mental pauses Mm -hmm. to refresh yourself and reset yourself throughout the day then you'll get on 9,000 revs all day long and you're wondering why the wheels have falling off at a certain point and you're not seeing the market clearly because you're stressed, you're, you haven't had enough sleep, your, your mind's gone a bit foggy because you're not drinking uh, water, you may be drinking too much caffeine, so it's diuretic, so you're losing even more water. Yep. If you're stressed, uh, caffeine will make you even more stressed. Yep. triggers your cortisol response as well so there's lots of things that can work against you even before you get on to present moment awareness yeah, yeah. and I think there is this question that p- traders have to ask themselves am I managing that yep. am I managing that bit of me you, you've just reminded me of
1: something that, that's very interesting and it, it takes me back to the mid-90s when I was when I was working as a trader at a bank and um you know, we, we'd actually had, as a, as, a, as a group of traders, a really there'd been a really bad period. We'd suffer some very large losses during a very volatile trading period, and it, it cost the, the head of trading and, and the treasurer both their jobs. And we had a new treasurer came in, and he gave a, an introduction talk to the whole trading floor. And there was a big drinking culture in the city at, at that time. There still is. But there was a big lunchtime drinking culture. Mm, mm. And he said, the first thing he said was, I don't want anyone drinking at lunchtime. No alcohol at all. He said, I don't want a bit of alcohol to cross your lips. He said, if you are in a state of mind that you cannot drive a car and that you're, gonna, you're a much higher risk of an accident driving because of alcohol, what is that going to do for you as a trader, as a decision maker? Yeah, it's someone taking risk.
0: Very interesting. I mean, you can, there's a good comparison in golf. Um, you know, putting. You need a certain touch for putting. Yeah. Okay, so, if you on a golf, corporate golf day, for example, temptation that you you come back and you have you have a couple of uh, lager shandies. Yeah. Okay. If you putted pre lager shandy, right? Even even small amount of alcohol, and then went back to the putting green, and putted with a lager shandy, your putting would be worse because you'd lose that touch. Yeah. Because it, it damages the way that you sense things. Yeah. Just a small amount of alcohol. So I can totally understand that. It does sort of rather change your persona. It can make you perhaps a bit loud, a bit confident. Yeah. A bit, and I've seen people quite worryingly trade from being at lunch. Oh, yeah. You know, on the phone trading, let's do this, because something's turned up. Because this emotional this emotional reactivity is heightened yeah. by the state that, that alcohol drives, even a small amount of alcohol. So that's a very, yeah, that, that's very very true. What you're saying, and, and that
1: brings us to sort of the the, the body, the, the physicality of trading. Mm. So I I know now with the benefit of hindsight that I was a much a, an inferior trader as the day went on, because I was more and more tired and and was was less able to bring the best of myself to my work um if I traded into the evening and it, this is not just my own story, a lot of people have told me this as well you know the chances of succeeding as a, a, in your trading decisions uh, was generally far less mm-hmm. you know and and uh, you know it's a, this is going to be a great topic for a future podcast. optimal performance in many people is the first two or three hours of the day. And and I, I can tell you of one, one client who's a very intense trader who will not trade after one o'clock. No. He's got no advantage. He's got no edge there. So he won't do it, which oh. kind of brings us onto the topic of edge. But there are so many aspects of physicality, of physical state. And, and you know, people have told me that they traded worse mm. after a long weekend on a stag weekend yeah, because they're not. They're not at their sharpest, they're not at their best. No. It's such a fine Some line. Some
0: people feel that as soon as they sit behind the desk, they have to trade.
1: And there's a great book by Roy Baumeister as, as well. I don't mm. know if you're familiar with it. No. He talks yeah. about self-control. Right. And he says, uh, he's not talking about trading, but he's saying that when, you're, when you have a very heavy cold, it's, your mind is affected to the same degree as if you've had a lot to drink. Mm. So in a sense, what he was saying is driving a car... With a very heavy cold, and this has been tested, your reactions are going to be very similar to as if you've had a lot of alcohol. It's, it's got to be the same if you're trading when you're not feeling well. Oh, absolutely. You know, and again, if you've had bad night's sleep. Yeah.
0: And I think it's just something else that's distracting you. Yeah. Yeah. It's that it, the alcohol creates that sort of mood swing. Yeah. Uh, problem that you become you get in your own way, uh, and of course, a trader will sit behind his desk and. If he's not got that self-control, boredom leads him into doing stupid, simple traits. Yes, yes. Right, just for the hell, because he feels like he has to do something. And when the mind is stressed, we like to do simple things because it makes us feel good that we're doing something. But however, (laughs) however, (laughs) when the mind is stressed to that point, you've got no appetite for anything complex. Listen, this is yeah, you know, to go into those edges and find those strategies that that are there to be found. I would add. Yes. Right. Because they are there; those, those edges are frayed, and that's where the imperfections lie. You need that. You need clarity. You need positivity. You need you need a sense of presence to be able to go that way and look.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Stressed? You ain't going to well, look there. Yep. Yeah. Listen, I'm mindful that we've um, we've spoken for a long time on this first podcast. Um, I, I, you know, I think these these topics and these subjects we're going to build upon over the over the weeks and months. Um, as we talk and, and maybe you know hopefully at some point we're also going to bring in some guests
0: oh there's lot, lots to come yeah I mean I think uh, as as we've found as we began our journey together yes once we start you can't stop us so we're now yeah y- using that to face the market with this sort of benefit this, this this conversation will help people that have been in the market five or ten years particularly
1: yeah Um, yeah.
0: that think they've been in the market a long time yeah. you know yeah post-crisis essentially they've been in the market since
1: well listen conscious of the time yeah um, and I think we should bring this first podcast to a close but we can you know I, I hope you as an audience have enjoyed listening to us and um, I, I don't know if you've got anything you want to add at the final
0: well look you know I think that um, hopefully you're starting to understand some of the, the the ways that we've developed these processes that will, will help you um, they are truly valuable Say so they can be taught and and um, you know, we are available for further comment on them. However, you know, stay tuned because it's going to get deeper. It's going to get more interesting. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to this first
1: podcast in this new series. Please feel free to head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It will be very much appreciated. Please also feel free to connect with us On social media, the Alpha Mind LinkedIn group has over 15,000 members and includes articles and posts on the behavioral aspects of trading and investing. We also have a blog page, alphamindblog.blogspot.com and you can follow me on Twitter, Stephen Goldstein, at alphamind101 or both myself, Stephen Goldstein and Mark Randall would be delighted to connect with you on LinkedIn please be sure to tune in for future podcasts thank you